defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Hello there, everyone. I am not Brad, and this is also not Brad, but two out of the three of us isn't bad. It's Craig. I'm hosting tonight here with Austin. Of course, we are the IDP Heat Seekers brought to you by Roto Heat Fantasy. And Brad, our normal host, is recovering. He just turned another day older on Sunday. So happy birthday, Brad. But wanted to give him some time to recover from that. So you'll get the two of us here tonight. Austin, how is your Monday going? It's going, man. I had quite the eventful evening. We talked about that off air. I won't share the story. But yeah, eventful evening for me. But we're here. We made it. And that's the good news. And I will echo what you said as well to our partner in crime who's not here tonight we miss you brad happy birthday sorry it's a little belated but we hope to see you next week craig how are you doing i'm doing all right it was a busy crazy day as they often are with work and kids and all that sort of fun stuff but we are here we're ready to go and we are ready to talk about third year breakout candidates that is our main topic tonight so before we get into that i want to make sure all of you watching us on youtube listening after the fact on youtube listen to the podcast thank you everyone make sure you hit and subscribe give us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice leave us a comment let us know if you have any questions tonight if you're watching live thank you of course again but any questions that we get we will be going into in the latter quarter of the show so we'll make sure to get to those. But again, we're going to be going over third-year breakout IDP candidates. These are players drafted in the 2020 class, of course, because that'll be their third year now. And an interesting thing we had talking about here before we even started really digging into the show was what do you call a breakout player? Of course, you, know, you can find things all over the place on the internet for what you call a breakout. And there really isn't one set hard rule, but has that player had consistent for us, IDP fantasy relevance over the course of a season or more most of a season. If he played 12 games and was doing amazing and got hurt, he probably already broke out statistically. These are guys that are probably farther down the depth charts that maybe haven't gotten that chance or have gotten some playing time and just haven't taken full advantage of it yet. So Austin, with that, we are going to go into, we sort of have a list of guys that we want to go over. We've got about 10 of them. We'll see what we get through, but go ahead and Pick one, one of the names we went off, and what you like about their situation. Yeah, I think the the one that I, I like the most, and it was actually at the top of our list, is Daryl Taylor from the Seattle Seahawks. He's a defensive end, fantastic player, incredible athlete. And this guy, you look at him physically, he is just, he's huge. He's hard, he's hard to miss. Very noticeable in his stature and his play. He's done some flashy stuff. He's definitely shown that he could be a really good player at the NFL level. And I think for him, it's just a matter of getting the opportunity. I think he'll be able to do that with the Seahawks this year. It looks like he'll have a shot to maybe make an impact on the defense this year. So he's somebody that I wanted to choose and talk about and see what your thoughts were. Yeah, because all these guys were in the same draft class, really, to give an idea of where he was. He was a second-round pick. Tennessee actually traded up a few, excuse me, out of Tennessee. Tennessee didn't draft him. Like I said, Seattle did. But out of Tennessee, Seattle traded up to get him. I think it was from 
something like the 59th to the 48th pick because that's where he was taken in the class. So they certainly had high hopes for him. And he didn't play at all his rookie year. He had surgery. I believe he had a titanium rod put in his leg during the offseason, and that sort of stuff just carried over where he wasn't going to be able to play uh, for his rookie year, and he didn't. Looking at this uh, past year, that is, so of course, paid attention to the Seattle defense at all. It was a mess on that side of the ball. They had brought in Carlos Dunlap, and they're trying to get stuff there. They had Kerry Hyder. It was just a whole lot of not really any useful IDP production, except for I think there were a couple Carlos Dunlap games at the very end of the year. He just didn't pan out for him. I believe he's a street free agent at this point too, because if you're looking at it, they have Shelby Harris, which they got in the trade for Russell Wilson, former probably bust LJ Collier, who's their 2019 first round pick that really hasn't done a whole lot of anything. Then Alton Robinson, those are the defense events that they have currently on roster. Last year, Taylor had a nice little season for a guy for real playing time. He had five starts in 16 games, 28 solos and nine assists, seven tackles for a loss, and six and a half sacks. So yeah. probably moving into a full-time role, I do the opportunity that he's going to get there. It's going to be interesting to see how well that Seattle offense does and if they're able to put that defense in a position where they're going to have to regularly be getting pressure and give him that opportunity to help that sack total. Yeah, and we're going to talk today about a lot of different players that have a few deficiencies in their game. But for Daryl Taylor, he's a guy that I see a lot less deficiencies. One thing that I think he's going to have to improve on is his playing instincts and being able to get off the ball and getting timing down. And I think that's going to come with more playing time. And I think once he starts to get more playing time, more reps under his belt, first team reps and in-game reps, I think he's going to come along nicely. There's, It's not really a knock that I see on his game that 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 like makes me a little hesitant to say he would be a breakout candidate because his game itself, like he has a nice game. He's a great pass rusher. He really is. He has a ton of ways he can get to the quarterback. He's extremely fast. He's got good bend. He's, his redirect is great. He, he can even play in coverage. He's got some pass breakups and things like that. So he's getting his hands up. He's getting in the lane. He is a phenomenal player as far as just being able to go in and just play the game. And I think for him, it's just a matter of being able to get those reps in and just get, get into the flow of the game and get some more action and he'll come along nicely i think more than any probably more than anyone on this list so that's why i chose him first yeah and to your point he had some flashes this past year on that sorry seattle defense without playing a whole lot now you know generally speaking unless you're one of the really top guys defensive linemen are usually in heavier rotations because of the nature of the position how well how much you get beat up and you're not going to be having those 80% or more snap counts for the most part. But Taylor even really didn't sniff that. His highest snap count of the past year was the 62%, but he's usually in the high 40s, hit the low 50s a couple times. So he was able to get some a couple of nice games there under his belt to give you those flashes where you'd think, all right, maybe this guy's going to turn around. And I agree with you. He's a guy that most leagues probably isn't getting drafted or is getting drafted really late, depending on the size of your bench. You know, he's probably in a deeper dynasty league already rostered. But if you're talking about redraft, he's going to be someone to keep an eye on because he will have that opportunity. And to your point, I do think he has a skill set to be productive. So I agree with you on him. Let's uh, stick with that same position to go to a guy with a very different situation around him, be Travis Gibson for the Chicago Bears. Now he was picked in the fifth round so much later he's picked 155 out of Tulsa he's a big guy again he's 6'4 263 I don't think we 
really went over it, but that's about the same size. 6'4", 267 is what Taylor is, so they're relatively similar in size. But Gibson was sort of miscast, I feel, with the Bears scheme the past couple of years. He was a defensive end in college, and the way the Bears had played that mainly 3-4 defense prior, he was just shifted to that outside linebacker, which I feel you know was a miscast for him. But the Bears are going to be shifting back to a mainly 4-3 base, which I think he'll be a lot more comfortable in. He's going to be someone that's going to have more competition, I feel, unless they trade Robert Quinn. That would open up, you know, another starting spot on the defensive line. And I do think there's a chance that they trade him. He's going to be 32 years old. I think this year he's probably better suited for a contender than a Chicago team that seems to be perpetually rebuilding here for the past couple of years. How do you feel about the position switch back to defensive end form? And do you think that's going to do anything for him? Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a better fit for him for what he does. He's not a tremendous like off-ball athlete, and I'm not really sure that he was asked to do a whole lot in coverage in college. What he was really good at was just getting to the quarterback. I think in college, 2019 is last year, he had like eight sacks, 15 tackles for lost, and he got to the quarterback six times. And had two forced fumbles. He was he's that's what he does best. He's pushing up field. He's a big guy. He's pretty athletic and can do some things. I do think he's still more of a developmental prospect. There's some concerns there about when he does get the opportunity, will he be able to capitalize on it? And again, there's still some question marks that are unanswered. Just not having seen enough of him in the NFL to know what his cover skills are going to be like. But I definitely think the move back to defensive end for him is going to be a good move for sure. And we'll see what he does with that opportunity, of course. Yeah, what I liked about him this past year is he showed that promise towards the end of the year with being able to get to the quarterback once he got a little bit more playing over the last, let's see here, three, four, five weeks. He had one, zero, a half, two, and a half sacks, which if you're looking for a defensive end, that's the sort of production that you want. Now, if he is a guy that ends up being grouped because of how your league works into that sort of edge position, he probably won't have as much viability because I don't think he's ever going to be a huge tackle guy. He looks like the most combined tackles that he had last season was five, uh, which isn't a whole lot if you're in a tackle heavy league or if you're going to be grouping them into that group of outside linebackers and those defensive ends that get you a lot of tackles. So I don't think there's as much viability there, but if you're playing in a straight defensive line or a league where you have to be playing a defensive end, I think he could have some viability. Again, pay attention because it's, I think it's going to be predicated on Robert. If Robert Quinn is traded, they signed Al-Kadeen Muhammad from the Colts who had a decent season. Again, similar in that probably not everyone to be an outstanding player and crazy athletic making plays there, but the opportunity will be there because I think the Bears offense will be unfortunate for fantasy owners again this year and potentially lead to more opportunities for that defense. But um, a guy that you can probably find on waivers in most leagues, unless you're again even deeper leagues than Darrell Taylor, you can probably keep an eye on Gibson. Yeah, agreed. Who do you want to talk about next on our list? Let's see. I want to go ahead and let's skip over right here. Let's go with Zach Bond. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, he is interesting. I expected more from him last year and was pretty disappointed that he really didn't get as much playing time as I thought that he would. Very annoyed by that. He's a tremendous player. He's a a really great talent, to be honest. I am curious to see what kind of playing time that he'll get this year. I think he's probably one, one injury away from being thrust into a 
very demanding role, but he should see some rotation this year and get into the lineup. He's a guy that can make some big plays in space. He gets off the blocks. He was extremely productive in college. I think he had 76 tackles, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks. So I expected more of him coming into the NFL. Let's see, where was he drafted at? Was he a second round draft pick? He was uh, 74th overall, which would have been the third round. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, he's a speedy guy too. 6'3", 225. He can move across the field. He can get to the quarterback and use his speed to get around an offensive lineman. He can shoot through the middle and get skinny. He can run people down. And even if the play is going away from him, he's got the kind of speed that he can go uh, track it down and make a play still. So you're never really... You're never really safe with him on the field. So I would just like to see the Saints get him on the field more. The Saints defense, they're starting to get a little older. You've got Demario Davis still in the middle. They do have Pete Warner now, and Pete Warner is not exactly the fastest person on the field, but still a pretty good player. But I think Zach Bond, I'm hoping he'll get an opportunity to get in there and make some noise this year. Yeah. I was very disappointed out of you know what we've seen of him so far in the league. Pete Warner's first year here, I believe, eclipsed anything that Bond had did combined in his first two years. So I think Warner's probably going to end up starting right next to Davis to start the year. Davis, to your point, is getting a little long in the tooth, and he tailed off at the end of last year. But he's been a productive player for a number of years here, and he's probably going to get that veteran deference in a team that certainly by all accounts appears to think they can contend for that division and a good playoff spot with the signings that they've made on that offense and trying to give James all the weapons that he can handle to go out there and uh, get leads. So I do hope Bond gets more of a chance. He hasn't been productive at all as far as rushing the passer. Does he have? Okay, so he has one tackle for a loss and no sacks over you know his NFL career, which I mean, to me, it is disappointing after what he did that you stated in college with those stats in his last year at Wisconsin. He, he ended up being the opposite of what Pete Warner was, and that's not how I felt that he would end up being. I thought he'd be able to step into a role and be productive just because what we saw out of him, and clearly I think the Saints did too. But then on the other hand, in leagues where I can hang on to him, I have, and I haven't cut him because I think sometimes you see it, especially in offense with wide receivers, people see a couple guys like a Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in years back to back and Jalen Waddle had a great year. Oh, these wide receivers haven't done anything their first two years. I think we do that sometimes with linebackers too, where we don't just give them a chance. Sometimes the learning curve is a little bit steeper, but draft capital gets you those opportunities. And outside of Warner, who I think was a second rounder, may have been a third round or two, but there really isn't any draft capital invested. I think the next highest I saw was like a fifth rounder uh, for that backup group of linebackers on the Saints. So I do think Bond will get a chance, especially if there's an injury to show that he can make it. But man, if he does get a chance and doesn't do anything, I'm probably going to be cutting bait on him here because he's shown nothing really to date. Yeah, it's just a, so confusing to me because I think he does so many things. I do think he's a better edge rusher than he is like an off off ball linebacker, but yeah. I think it makes sense to like if the Saints would just use him the right way and give him the opportunity to just let him go out and do that. They've got enough guys in the middle to anchor the middle of their defense off the ball. I, I would I think there would be room for him to get some playing time. I and this is speculation, but I am curious just based on the production and the player profile that we have and the talent that we see that we think we know, although maybe we don't. wonder if this had something to do with coaching. I wonder if the coaching change may have some influence on how much 
playing time he he gets was he ever in in some sort of doghouse with sean payton i think sean payton has a history of, of doing that at times with players i'm curious to see if he gets more of an opportunity now with the regime change uh, so i'll be interested to see how that works out yeah and i was trying to bring it up here but i think demario davis's contract gives him an out here soon no not really um He's probably here for another two years, whether it's a starting role or a backup role. It looks like it's a 16 and then a $12 million cap hit if they end up cutting him, which is a lot of money to eat for the Saints. They're cap strapped as always. They keep pushing that bill farther and farther out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. What is the cap? To keep, what's that? What is the cap? What is that? What is the yeah, salary well, cap these days? That, that's a good <laughs> question. I, I wish my Cowboys took that approach. They're one of the few teams that seem to be paying attention to it and trying to behave with jerry jones of all people owning that team like they can't throw money around but uh that's neither here nor there i agree i i really like zach Vaughn. i have him in a number of leagues and i got him late and have held on to him but i think we need to see something here in his third year because as we know after his fourth year he, he's probably going to a different team and maybe he'll even be a later breakout like we saw charles harris was like what a, a seventh year breakout on the lines last year after being a former first round pick so there's always that chance that you run, but most of these players, even these guys in the first two days of the draft, which most of these guys that we're going to be talking about today are day two picks. If they don't do anything in the first three, four years for fantasy wise, they're probably not going to end up being relevant for us. Yep. I'm going to go to a guy that I think will have fantasy relevance this year and a good shot at winning a starting job. That would be Jacob Phillips. He's a linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. He's going to be 23 this year. He's a third-round pick, 97th out of LSU. So he missed most of last year with a biceps injury. Uh, he did play towards the end of the year and had a couple very nice games for them as far as fantasy production and even how he graded out. If you look at the PFF grades and you give that any sway at all. But Anthony Walker had been the starter there, and then JOK came in. When he was healthy and after the first few weeks, he, he was a really productive guy too when he was on the field for him. They brought back Anthony Walker on a one-year, $5 million deal, so they're not completely invested in him. And I do think they're going to give Jacobs a shot to compete with Walker, as he'd been expected to last year before he got hurt. So it's a bit of an interesting team. We won't go into the offensive side of it, but that's really going to dictate how their season goes and what sort of opportunities that defense has. But how do you see things playing out with Phillips and Walker? The thing that Phillips does really well is Phillips is really fast and he's a good zone defender. He's a, a good linebacker to use like in a spy defense where he can spy on the quarterback because he's a guy that can move laterally and he's a sure tackler in open space and he's not afraid to come down and smack somebody. And especially in today's NFL with as many quarterbacks that you have running the ball, it's important to have a, a guy on your defense that can do those things. And I think he's got the skill set to do that. I do worry. He's one of the one guys on this list that I did have the biggest question mark about coverage. We just haven't really seen him do enough in coverage to really know how good he is, not even in college. So, and he just wasn't asked to do that. And we don't know that he can't do it as much as he just hasn't had the opportunity. He hasn't been asked to do it. And so I'm curious to know what that looks like. Athletically, I, I would think it would look good because his change of direction is great. He, he seems to be a good enough athlete to do that. 
It's just, will they catch him out of position? What kind of, what's it like up here, right? What's the mental for this kid? And yeah, he lacks some experience, obviously. He's going to have to get some snaps in and I'm going to have to see more. But I I was curious what your thoughts were on him. When I saw him on the list and I'm looking at the depth chart, I was curious, like Anthony Walker, seems like he's pretty solid in that job so i was i was kind of on the fence about do i really think he's gonna press him for his job i think they do things they they both do different things right so i could see this being more of a situation where they're used in different sub packages depending on what the offense is doing depending on what the down and distance is depending on what the score is like all these different factors right in game from game to game you just might not know what you're going to get so there may be some inconsistencies there with him as far as snap counts and predictability but but he does some things he's definitely an intriguing prospect overall i just do have my concerns with him so i think we should start by saying i think jok takes over the, the main sort of linebacker that you want to have there they invested high draft capital in him He's a guy that's able to play all over the field. He's able to you know, go in the backfield and make plays with some to that a number of times last year. He's able to play that safety cornerback linebacker hybrid role, which is super important, I feel, in today's NFL, that versatility of those guys. You're seeing more and more of them come into the league and be used that way. But I also think there's going to be room for more of a traditional linebacker to have fantasy relevance, which is, of course, what we're talking about here. Walker had a nice season. He started 12 out of 13 games. He had 113 tackles, 69 of those were solos. He only had two tackles for a loss and one sack. And actually throughout his career, he has one 10, 6 2, 2 for tackles for a loss. And that's starting pretty much every game that he's played in from 2018 on. And he has a total of four and a half sacks. He just isn't making big plays, which is fine. Not every linebacker has to. And certainly teams have plenty of those guys that aren't just known for making big plays. But I think that contract that they re-signed him for, that one-year $5 million deal, which isn't big by any means, gives that indication that they want Jacobs to win it if they can. They're invested in him. Third-round pick isn't nothing. Like you said, he has a great athletic profile. He's a young guy, and if he can be there next to JOK, they could have a really nice set of linebackers going forward. So I think they're going to give him every opportunity. You can see more of my thoughts on him over at rotoheat.com. I wrote an article in my sort of sleepers for 2022 that you can go take a look at. But yeah, I like him a lot and I'm really hoping that he picks up where he had left off you know, last year because he did end the season on a high note. And I think that gave the Browns enough hope that they're going to be able to use him. And if not, maybe Walker does win it out because he's played more to start the year. We know injuries happen. We know a lot of things can happen. Guys can lose their jobs due to injury. We see it every year. So in a dynasty league, he's certainly someone that I'm just going to sit on and be very hopeful for here in his third year. Yep. Who would you like to go over next? So there's so many good ones to choose from. I'm going to wait on some of these other guys because I, I can't wait to talk about a few of these other guys. But let's go ahead and let's talk about Terrell Lewis, who is with the Rams. And from what I can tell, it looks like Justin Hollins is really the only guy in front of him that, that – that may keep him off the field. Terrell Lewis is a an outside linebacker. He's not a middle linebacker. He is a guy who can rush the passer and he can play in coverage. He could do a lot of things really well. I really like him. I'm not sure I'm sold on Justin Hollins completely. And so I, I see 
an opportunity for him to be able to actually challenge Justin Hollins for that starting job. Obviously, this offseason, the Rams brought in Bobby Wagner, which was a huge signing. He'll be anchoring in the middle with Ernest Jones, who they got last year from South Carolina. I don't expect to see him leave the, the leaving the field very often. They've got Leonard Floyd, obviously playing outside linebacker, but opposite. There may be some room for Terrell Lewis to get some run. And I definitely, what he brings to the table, he does have some development, some things that need to happen, you know, for me to, to be really comfortable with him as well. But maybe a guy that if your league is deep enough, you could stash him. He did flash some pass rushing skills. So he definitely does look like he has the skills to do that. He didn't really drop into coverage much, but again, just another guy that may have not been asked to do that very often. And that's just not what he does best. He is yeah. the type of guy who can pin his ears back and go and uh, create some disruption on the offensive line. And he can get to the quarterback in several different ways. He has a pretty good little bag of moves that he uses. So I'm, I'll am i be interested to see if he could push Justin Hollins for some playing time because they're going to have guys that can do some of the things that Justin Hollins does. He's more of a tackler. He does less getting to the quarterback. And obviously, I, I think that they're going to need some help opposite of Floyd. So I'd be curious to see if Terrell Lewis gets that opportunity on that defense to actually make an impact this year. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see which of these guys ends up being the one that sort of takes over. And if there even is one, you know, sometimes they, they'll have teams that just split it if they don't really know who. You might have a starter in name that, you know, comes out in certain sub packages and all that. So Terrell Lewis versus Justin Hollins is going to be the big question opposite Floyd. If they lost Von Miller, who they had gotten via trade, and that's going to be huge, of course. But Leonard Floyd showed he's broken out now. He showed flashes in college. He was, I think, like, a team's pick by the Bears. He just never did a whole lot. I think he had one good season there and went to the Rams. Um, playing with that uh, defensive line anchored by Aaron Donald can do a lot of people a lot of good. And then you bring someone in, Floyd, or excuse me, like Miller to be opposite Floyd. It's gone well for him. Now Floyd's got to be the guy. And you're going to have Hollins or you're going to have Lewis. Lewis has shown more. He's been in this one. This will be his third year. Hollins has been in the league. This will be his fourth year. He was uh, originally drafted, I think, in the fifth round by the Broncos. He was waived and then went to the Rams. He's done all right. He played 16 games. He didn't start any in 2020. Last year, he played in eight games. He started two. He has three and two for sacks and then three and one for tackles for a loss. Meanwhile, if you look at what Terrell Lewis has done, He's been about as productive in less time, and he was a higher draft pick, too. When you look at where he went, he was 84th overall, third round out of Alabama. He had really nice stats as far as grading out his rookie year, and it dropped off last year, but he didn't play as much either. He, I believe, got injured. And, uh, yeah, he was only in 11 games, starting four from last year. He had three sacks, four tackles, four a loss. And he had some big plays in the playoffs. He was battle-tested with the team that way. Again, we're not saying all these guys are going to break out. Just a good chance at least half of them probably don't or more. It's just the nature of trying to look at these depth charts, see these guys who have gotten some experience where they're going to have opportunity, and pick them up and stash them if you can. It's to the point of these guys. If they were big names that had already done amazing things, they're not going to be cheap. They're not going to be guys you can just pick up off the waiver wire. So this year, keep an eye on for third-year guys that haven't done much in the league that are going to get an opportunity for you. Yeah, and that's been the issue with Terrell Lewis. Even in college, he did have some injury concerns. He couldn't really stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy, 
I agree. He's going to have a pretty good shot at this. So who are you going with next, Craig? I'm going to go with on my favorite team that I had a lot of hope for, and the team did too last year and then didn't end up doing a whole lot. So this is a interior lineman or defensive tackle specific sort of uh, pick, and I, you, you had brought him up initially here and hadn't really thought of him just because of what they've done at that position. But Neville Gallimore, he was the 82nd pick out of Oklahoma that year, Dallas. He's a, uh, a big dude there in the middle. He's 6'2", 302, so he's got size, but he can also get to the quarterback. He did all right his rookie year. Uh, last year, he didn't grade out as well, but he was out for most of the year with a dislocated elbow. So when he got healthy, they brought him back, and he actually did all right for him there in the middle. He, over five games, he had a sack and a half, three tackles for a loss, which is decent limited playing time. They use a heavy rotation there in Dallas. They have Tristan Hill. They have Alyssa Digizu, and there's someone else that they got, too, that I can't name off the top of my head. But they'll be having, I think it was Chauncey Golston, although he might be more of a, an uh, end guy. He was yeah, I think Carlos, Wat- Carlos Watkins, maybe. Watkins is another one, yeah. So there's a lot of guys that they have there. But I know they had high hopes for Gallimore, and I think that he'll have that opportunity. So not rostered in any of the leagues I checked for the ones that I have interior alignment or defensive tackles required. I know you brought him up, Austin. I don't know how many of those sort of leagues that you play in, but what sort of intrigued you when you saw his name? Yeah, so if you're in a league that you have to start a defensive tackle and you're looking for that sleeper pick, I really like Neville Gallimore. And I, being from Oklahoma, and and let me preface this with I am not an Oklahoma fan by any stretch, but I recognize talent when I see it. And when I watched Neville Gallimore play, he played on that defense with Kenneth Murray. And when they got, when they were going and, going to be drafted to the nfl i told several people i'm like kenneth murray's not the best player on the defense it's neville gallimore and it's not close he, he was tremendous in college and he, he came in pretty raw and each year he got better and better but the thing that i loved about neville was he had a high motor and he never stopped and he was a guy that yet yeah, like you mentioned 62305 or whatever he was three yeah around 305 but he doesn't move like he's 300 pounds. And the guy moves like he's 260, 240. He is moving. He loves to track the play down from behind. He never stops. He can even drop into coverage a little bit. Obviously, you wouldn't want to do that, but he's pretty good about moving around and like back, you know, rushing the passer with ferocity and then also just being able to play back, drop back, get his hands up, get in the lanes. Like he's all over the place for 300 pounds. And this guy moves and he can get to the quarterback in several different ways. It's going to be hard for offenses to run the ball right at him. He's going to create some disruption there in the middle. He was productive in college. I, I, I was he did have a good first year, and like you said, his second year was a little rough, but I think those injuries hampered him. But I think he's going to get the, the most opportunity right out of the gate to start for Dallas and make the most impact. They're going to try to have him on the field as much as possible. I do see Osa being able to push him for some time because I really like what Osa does. Like He's another guy that's really big, has a good motor, and is really fast for his size. Could do a lot of things well, but... Gallimore should have that first crack at that starting job, and I think Dallas wants him to succeed. I think he's got all the tools to do it, so he's a player that I really love, and I was excited to get him added to this list because I think he deserves it. It's not as fun to talk about the defensive tackle position. We spend a lot of time talking about edge rushers and outside linebackers and middle linebackers, and those are the guys that will normally get you the most points. Neville Gallimore should be able to get points several different ways. He's not just only going to get you the sacks and tackles for losses and things like that he's going to be able to get a few tackles here and there just because of the way that he plays i like him 
I'm going to go to a guy that I feel similar about different career trajectories and the different position. I know you're not as high on him. This is Yuri Grossmatos. He's a, mainly a defensive end for the Carolina Panthers. He was actually a pretty high pick. He was 38 in the draft out of Penn State, and he's a young guy. We haven't given the ages for all these guys, but he's just turning 24 this year. His uh, PFF grades, which, again, are not the be-all, end-all. It's just one to look at it, how they rank out these players across run defense, pass defense, pass rushing, those sort of things, and then getting you a combined score if you're not familiar with it, pff.com. But he improved from his first year to his second year. He's, I think, probably likely to start across from Brian Burns, who we know is one of the great you know defensive ends for IDP purposes. And he showed at the end of last year when Derek Brown was out, I think he had his best game or his second best game of the year, sliding in to play some defensive tackle snaps for the Panthers because he's a big dude. He's 6'5", 265. They said he might be able to put on a little weight more to be inside more. But he's got a great athletic profile. He's just a relatively big, raw guy that has that all the athletic ability in the world is a kind of hope turns into someone that they can regularly keep their across from Burns on what is a very young defense, actually. Um, I really like him. He improved year over year, even in terms of his production, which, you know, isn't huge, but he had a, a sack more, three more tackles for a loss. He had four more tackles overall. Just made one more sack, four more tackles, four tackles for a loss, and just two more games with starting fewer games. His snap share was relatively similar. So seeing that advancement from year one to year, year two, and then looking at year three coming up here with that higher opportunity, I think I'm kind of excited for what he's going to do. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I, you're, you're right. And I'll admit, and maybe I'm too low on him. One of the concerns that I have is I think he's going to get pushed by uh, Mari Barno, Barno at the defensive end position. And that, like you mentioned, maybe he could slide inside, although I think Derek Brown Davion Nixon are two guys that I would keep an eye on the defensive line in, in Carolina to be able to anchor the middle and, and get a lot more playing time. But Gross Matos, he is a big guy. Uh, he could slide down in the middle if he stays outside. The thing that concerns me is if he is a defensive end and if he's that's what he's labeled in your league and you're having to play him at defensive end, he's not a guy that gets a whole lot of tackles. He does have the ability to get to the quarterback. Although, albeit a little bit slower than most, but he does use his size to his advantage. And, and he knows who he is, he knows what he is, and he does use that well. But he's not really a guy that's going to get you a whole bunch of tackles. So that's kind of going to cap his ceiling to me a little bit more than some of the other defensive ends. But you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel and you're looking for somebody that you might want to stash. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the show and throughout, is these are guys that you're going to be able to get for a really great price that you're not going to have to give up a whole lot for, if anything, and maybe be able to grab these guys off waiver and stash them and hope that injuries happen or things like that you'll have a guy that you can insert and be able to get by with so in in that regard yeah he'd probably be a fine guy to own i, I can't you know knock him too much as far as that goes but probably a little lower on my list than maybe some of these guys go i will say he's got some experience he's at least got the opportunity since he's been there to be in the lineup and get those real game snaps so he does bring that to the table yeah, and with that you know, high second-round draft capital, I think he'll continue to get it. And I think it'll be even more interesting. You know, we'll have to see how they deploy him coming up here. But if he does slide inside more, what he gives you, 
some of that uh, defensive tackle viability, if you're in leagues that label defensive ends, defensive tackles, and all that, sometimes you get that dual designation. He could be even more valuable if he's getting the majority of those snaps outside, but plays just enough inside to get that dual. Defensive tackle is even more of a crapshoot than defensive ends. If he in your league is labeled as an edge for some reason, certainly not as interested in him from that, but from a defensive end and a young guy that you know, did a lot in college as far as getting pressure, you know, big dude with a nice profile. He's certainly someone that I'm stashing in leagues. So we are getting down to the end of our list here. I think we have three guys left and two of them are on the same team. So who do you want to go to left here, Austin? I want to talk about Josh is it Uche or Uche? Yep, I believe it. Brad will correct us after the show when he hears this. He's a uh, I'm guy, sure, but yeah, I think it's Uche. I'm sure he will. And I'll say this: I love this kid. I watched him last year. There was there was they talked a lot about him in the preseason last year. How exciting of a player he was, and it was hard not to watch him as much as they they talked about him on the game cast. And so I when I was watching, I was really I had my eyes on this kid, and I was really impressed at just like his motor and his ability to move and run and make tackles. And he reminds me a lot of Matthew Judon. And that's not necessarily a comparison because we don't love comparisons, but he does the way he plays, like the energy that he has. And you just watch the way that he could move inside. He could play outside. He could play off the ball. Like this guy is really diverse. They have him listed as an outside linebacker. I like this kid a lot. I like what he does. I like that. He doesn't care where you put him on the field. He's going to try to win. So Big fan of his. I think that if he just gets the opportunity, he should be able to capitalize on it. He's a it, the way that the New England Patriots have used him too, plays perfectly into his game, like perfectly. I don't know that he would have any success, you, you know, as many any other places, as many places. But the New England Patriots make so much sense for this kid, and I really hope that he gets the opportunity, even if it's inside. This kid, they're going to you know, put him in there and just let him play because that's what he does best. So I like him a lot. I like him too. I just feel it's unfortunate where he is because it, it seems like as long as Matt Judon's there, he's destined to be a backup for Judon because they, you know, they play the same position. He's played behind him so far. The highest snap count that he's had in the game is it was under 50%. It was like 47% or something. It was in a 20-point win against the Jets, which is a, sorry, Jets fans, a nice opportunity to get guys playing time. You're Bill Belichick, and you have that history of winning against the Jets so far throughout your career for the most part. He was productive in the limited playing time that he had. I think he had three sacks this past year. And it's even more so with the other guy that we'll get into after this since we're on them, which is Anthony Jennings. They invested good draft capital in him. He's the 60th pick overall. He's good size. He's graded out well. Both years, he's probably actually graded out best out of the linebacker, excuse me, out of the breakout candidates that we've discussed. If you look at both their years overall, it's in the 77 and then like a 61 this past year. Great athletic profile. I just don't know that unless they shift Judon down, like inside towards the line more, that they're going to get them both on the field at the same time, and that's not the best way to use Judon. So I don't think Belichick's going to do that. Are they going to go to more having two edge guys on the field at the same time? Because quite honestly, the only reason I think we're talking about Anthony Jennings is just the whole state of affairs with that New England Patriots linebacking core is just off-putting to me. From an IDP perspective, they traded for Mac Wilson, who I have some interest in. Bill Belichick liked him coming out of college. They traded Chase Winovich for him. They brought Juwan Bentley back, who was decent, but he's just like a two-down thumper. 
He's not a guy to put out there in coverage. And they have just a whole bunch of guys. Another guy from Michigan, Cameron McGrone. They got drafted, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's just all these guys that seem to be good at one or two things, but you don't want to have them on the field for three downs. Weird because it's the opposite of what Belichick does with their secondary guys. He wants them able to play all over the place all the time. We saw that with Adrian Phillips when they signed and brought him on. I just don't like this linebacking core. So is there a guy that could break out out of the two? I think it's probably Uche. But I think he's going to need someone to get hurt to do that, which just feels unfortunate because Matt Judon was a beast for him last year. Yeah, and I was just fixing to say, I think for me, like the biggest part with this kid is just that that high upside play where if there is an injury and he is thrust into a role where he's going to get a higher snap count, like he is the, the one player on this list that I feel pretty comfortable besides like we already talked about Daryl Taylor, who could really capitalize on that. All right, like I said, since we're on here, Anthony Jennings was the other guy. And he was a third-round pick, so the next round he was 87th overall out of Alabama. He played sparingly. He started four games. He didn't do a whole lot out of 14 that he played in 2020. He had 10 solos and 10 assists with one quarterback hit. Not much at all. Last year he did not play, and I don't remember why offhand. Let's see here if I can pull it up. We should have wait music for this. <laughs> I, I could sing, but I don't think that's a great way to go. But anyway, he didn't play at all last year. He got an injured reserve. I don't even know if they even said why. But regardless, he was a high pick, and like I said, they don't have a whole lot there. They have Bentley, Mack, Wilson, McGrone, Jelani Tavai, who I think is coming over from Detroit and just hasn't done a whole lot in his time in the league. They have Harvey Lange, who I believe had come from the Jets before, and he'd been all right every once in a while in spot start. But again, there isn't anyone that just completely stands out as, I got to have that guy. Gone are the days of the Jamie Collins, the Dante Hightower, who could come back. They're both free agents to this point. It's just a huge mess. So you're digging for gold. If you're interested in any of these guys, Uche, I think, has more of a defined role as that other edge guy on the team. But Jennings just interests me because he had a nice profile coming out of college. He had decent draft capital, and there just isn't a lot of excitement in that linebacking core. Yep, Jennings, just an Alabama guy. He was a three-year starter, productive in college. But as we know with Alabama linebackers... Could be fool's (laughs) gold, yeah. Very on-brand. So far. Yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of uh, Alabama linebackers. For those of you not familiar with IDP and listening, they play behind some great defensive lines. They have really high college production, and then they get to the NFL, and they just don't really live up to it for whatever reason. Now, is it because of those defensive lines being so much better than the offensive lines, by and large, they were playing against at college and making them look better? I don't know. It's interesting. There's that same conversation about those Georgia linebackers, actually, this year's draft class, and we'll have to see how that plays out, which linebackers got taken pretty high with Quay Walker there. Uh, Tyndall was, I think, a third-round pick or something like that, and same with Kobe Dean to Philly. Uh, Are they a product of their system? Are they more talented than we think because of those questions that we have in our mind? Alabama just has a history with it. Yeah, I just thought he was someone worth bringing up since uh, we're looking at that draft capital as a big part of this. Yeah, and it's worth talking about, like you said, because that linebacking room is just so messy. We have one more guy here, and then we will get into questions. For Thank you for sticking around and listening. Make sure you get your questions in the chat there if you have any for us. Uh, but the last one that we have here is a guy that I 
had in a few leagues as well. I still do. It's Willie Gay Jr. He is a about 6'1", 245 linebacker. He was picked 63rd in the draft, second round out of Mississippi State by the Kansas City Chiefs. So they had taken him when Anthony Hitchens was sort of you know, the main guy in the middle, and we thought, oh, maybe he's going to be the new guy to take over, and he didn't do a whole lot. His first year playing for him, played eight games, excuse me, started eight games out of 16, 39 combined tackles. He had a sack, a couple tackles for a loss. By and large, he actually looked lost, which a lot of you know young guys do. Then they go out last year's draft and take Nick Bolton, who you know blew up the world. He was the linebacker to half in IDP fantasy for rookies not named Micah Parsons. And I still think he's going to be that guy in the middle. They used a lot of rotations for linebackers the past few years, I think, while they were trying to find what they wanted to do there in Kansas City. He had a slightly better year you know, overall. His PFF grades went down, but you know, statistically-wise for us, IDP paying attention, he had more combined tackles. He was a little bit lower on the pressure. He had a couple of interceptions and pass deflections. I do think he's a guy that's going to be good in coverage. He's a really hyper-athletic guy to have on there that's a little bit different of a linebacker than Bolton, so I think they could complement each other, but he's probably going to be more like a weak side guy that is out more in coverage. But I do think he should start, and I do think he and Bolton complement each other well, so I'm hoping to bring out the best in each other. How are you feeling about him? Yeah, as a Kansas City fan, I, I would agree. He's going to have an opportunity to play, and he definitely does complement what Bolton does. But I would say Bolton, obviously, is the linebacker to own. I'm pretty sure yeah. everyone knows that at this point. The thing for me, and he's one of the guys on this list that I thought the biggest roadblock in my mind for him is just everything upstairs. Can this kid get it upstairs? Like you said, he's got the athletic profile to be decent in coverage, but at times when he was in coverage, he looked really lost. Yeah. And that, that that's a mental part. That's all upstairs. He's got to put himself in position. He's got to be able to recognize the plays, what's going on, and not get lost in the defense. That's a great way to, to give up a lot of, of yards and, and big pass plays and things like that. He's an aggressive style of play when he's... he's tracking guys down he, he overruns them sometimes or sometimes he underruns the angles he takes bad angles he's gonna have to get better at some of those things and those are things that he should be doing better but i think he's gonna have an opportunity because of the position he plays i mean he's not being challenged by anybody necessarily on the depth chart he's gonna be playing that weak side linebacker i think leo chanel will be opposite playing that strong side linebacker but i also think he is gonna get subbed out a lot too i definitely think on those early downs he could get subbed out some for Leo, Leo should get plenty of opportunity to, to start, and he should. So for me, I don't think this is the year for Willie Gay, and I'm not even sure that he's going to come around. But he's cheap enough right now. You might be able to get him and wait and see. We could be wrong. Who knows? I think you're right. I think the Chiefs are trying to figure out what they're going to do with their defense, and they really haven't. It doesn't feel like they've got there. Like, I can't give you an answer today, even as a guy who watches the Chiefs, on what exactly their plan is. I think it's going to be a matter of what does Leo look like. And so let's get through training camp. Let's see what he looks like and what he's doing. And let's see if maybe they're able to build an identity with their defense. And then that'll tell us maybe how much Willie Gay is actually going to be on the field and, and when he's going to be on the field. I think that's going to be important. So one of the interesting things, and you brought up Chanel, who had failed to mention, so thank you for that. I do like him a lot, and I do think they could have three really nice linebackers going forward on their team there. With three of them, like you said, Willie on the weak side, Bolton in the middle, Chanel on the strong side. And I think it's probably unfair to him just because of the nature 
of what we do. Sometimes we get those feelings about players. But I hope Chanel doesn't go the way that we talked about with Zach Bond earlier, where they're both guys from Wisconsin, both similar in size. They show that ability to get to the quarterback and just bond for whatever reason hasn't so far in the NFL. So I hope the Chiefs utilize him and are able to maximize his talents too because I do like him a lot. We talked a lot about him and our rookie stuff before the draft and then a couple times post-draft. So things pan out. I think they could be having a really nice linebacking core with a lot of good athletes that do different things. That really isn't something that we've seen out of Kansas City, oddly enough, throughout this sort of Super Bowl run with having Mahomes. Yeah, Willie Gay's going to have to figure out what it is that he's going to contribute to that defense. And I think the guys, the defensive coordinators are going to have to figure it out what it is they need Willie Gay to do. They got to get on the same page for sure. And that is going to do it for us for our third year IDP breakout players. If you're listening again, thank you. We appreciate it. Make sure you hit and subscribe on YouTube. Turn the notifications on whenever we go live or the Dynasty Heat Seekers go live. I believe there's a best ball show that's going to be starting up soon. There's the Debbie Hour, of course, with Brad and Desi on Thursdays, so make sure you tune in for that. And wherever you're listening on your podcatcher of choice, make sure you get subscribed on there and drop us a review. It helps us out a lot. I want to thank everyone for listening, and we are going to be going into the Q&A, if you will, portion of the show here. And we do have a question. We have uh, Benjamin Paul asked, what value would you put on Jordan Brooks in terms of draft picks from 2023, so next year, in a 12-team Superflex IDP league? So I'll let Austin percolate on that and then give us his answer for a moment. But I want to say most of the time when we talk about this stuff, we're going to tell you, hey, how your league is set up with scoring matters, how many players you need to start as far as linebackers versus other positions, all that's going to be important stuff. But if you want to be talking about linebackers that really are, for the most part, scoring proof, I do think Brooks is getting to be up there with a defense and what he showed taking over that from Wagner last year. But Austin, how do you feel about him and in the leagues that you play and where would you value uh, Jordan Brooks for a 2023 draft pick? Yeah, he's 24 years old, and he's in a great position. He's going to be the leader of that defense now, especially with them moving on from Bobby Wagner. So he's, he's going to be the guy in Seattle. He's, his opportunities are even going to increase more than they have. I think I've got him rated as like a top 12 linebacker, and that's probably even being generous. I probably have him rated higher than that even on my rankings. I would have to look, and Craig, I'm sure that's probably what you're going to check right now. Maybe. Yeah, I'll see if or I maybe can not. Him up here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, as far as what value, as far as pick value, that's a great question. It's going to, for me, it's going to depend. Most of the time in your rookie drafts, you're going to start seeing linebackers go in the second. For me, it depends on, on, on your team structure. If your offense is pretty set, then you could maybe give up like a lay. I would like a late second, but maybe, I don't know. It's so hard to gauge. But when somebody has a linebacker like Brooks, like they're probably not going to want to just move him for peanuts. And so you're going to have to make a pretty strong move for somebody like that. But what I would say is don't make a move for somebody that's going to put you in a bad position. I think if I was drafting him in that class, maybe he could be a second rounder. Although I will say that 2023 class is incredibly deep because the quarterback room, the quarterbacks are going to be really deep there. Running backs, receivers, like all of your offensive skill positions in 23, like the hype is real. I'm telling you it's real. I've watched the film. 
I'm telling you, it's very real. So a lot of guys are going to get pushed back almost like at least half a round, maybe even a whole round from where they would normally go. So those 23 packs picks are there. It's unrealized value. So just be careful with that. If you need a linebacker for your team and you're pretty set on offense, man, you want to give up a second, see if you can maybe give up a second, maybe move some other pieces around and see if you could acquire him. I do love Jordan Brooks for sure. Yeah, so you can go over to rotoheat.com and you can find out all sorts of different league setups. We have, you know, combined offensive and defense. We have just IDP rankings. You can sort by position, team, where I have them, where Austin has them, Brad has them, all that stuff combined here. Um, going off our most recent update, which, of course, we're always tinkering with these, and these are generally updated around the start of each month. I have him as my linebacker six. And again, that is taking out sort of those edge players, like a outside linebackers, I believe we have those. Nope, we don't. Those are included in here. But that is something we'll be looking at doing in the future. We've been going over this sort of edge debate internally. How do we want to be classifying these guys? Because it's a pain because not every league has it. So again, know your league, know your scoring. Base sort of scoring we talk about, you can find over at rotoheat.com as well. And there's also a YouTube video if you look at rotoheat IDP scoring. Uh, two years old now, I think, so maybe we'll revisit that and talk about how we got that set up. But Austin here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's got him as linebacker 10. So both, you know, inside our top 10 for linebackers. And again, you know, like TJ Watt is, <laughs> I think, both of our top linebacker or, you know, top three guy up there because, of course, he's a completely different beast. But if you exclude edges, he wouldn't be in this conversation. So you could, you know, kick him out. So if you have extra questions on top of that and you're still listening thank you for one but two make sure you drop them in there and we'll try to get to them or if you comment after the show is done we still follow up on those and can let you know our thoughts more specifically if you have an idea of starting position scoring settings anything like that so thank you for the question and for tuning in by the way Craig go ahead what would you give up what would you give up in 23 so like I said you've got yeah it's, You've got unrealized value on one hand, but then on the other hand, like it's hard to like we say that's where linebackers are normally going, like dominant line, like the best linebackers in the draft class are going in the second round, but you still don't know exactly what you're going to get. So there's a little bit of risk there. So at least with Brooks, like we know what we have. So, yeah, I'm just curious what you got. I would probably depending on the makeup of my team, although maybe that doesn't matter as much here, given how young he is and what we saw of his production. If there isn't anyone I'm super interested in there, I'm probably fine giving up like a mid-second for him. There's going to be a couple IDP players. Of course, Will Anderson, I think, out of Alabama is the huge name that's probably going to go in the top three to five of the draft next year, even with the quarterbacks, because he's just a completely different animal at that edge position. And I think he's just about as surefire of a defensive player as we've had come out recently. If you think about some of these running backs, to your point, are not going to all declare. We're going to have a, a Kyron Williams type issue where they fall off of people's draft board so high. It's a decent wide receiver class as well. So I, there's no way I'm really considering the first round because I think you could get more for a 2023 first than just Jordan Brooks unless you have crazy elevated scoring. Probably not at the start of the second round either just because of what we think is going to be happening with that draft. But yeah, if I really need a linebacker and I'm set everywhere else, a mid-second round pick for a proven guy, I'd be fine giving up that anywhere from probably like the 2-6 range on. Yep, that's exactly where I'm with. 
but where I'm at with it. <clears throat> we don't have anything else coming in here, and we're about hitting time. So, Austin, any final uh, thoughts you have on that? And then, of course, you can let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, final thoughts. I want to say to Mr. Scampers, who's listening at it as an IDP newbie, welcome. Thank you so much for checking out our show. We appreciate it so much, and we hope that you'll follow us. I think where you anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find our show. Find us every Monday on Roto Heat on the YouTube channel. Hop on over to rotoheat.com. Check out some of our rankings. Yay, he's still here. Amazing. Yeah, thanks for sticking around, dude. We really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at infamous underscore IDP. And uh, yeah, it, feel free to reach out to me anytime, man. If you need help with IDP questions, like whatever you need, rookies, veterans, values, things like that. I'll definitely try to ask as many questions as I can, get background, and then give you as much help as I can. And I know Brad, who's not here tonight, he does the same thing for all of our viewers and, and followers. And Craig, same to you. Yeah. You can go ahead and close the show out for us, man. Yeah, Mr. Scampers is one of the regulars that I'm always in the chat with over at the Front Yard Fantasy Guys, and he's, he's jumping around to all sorts of shows. He is the most famous chat cat around, so thank you for tuning in I'll show, and I hope you gained a little bit of knowledge that you found interesting, at least. And, of course, you can always find me at Roto Heat Craig. There's at Roto Heat. I think it's at Roto Heat Fantasy is the main one that if you want to be following, I should probably know that. Yes, at Roto Heat Fantasy, and, of course, there's at Roto Heat Brad, who's normally on the show with us. So drop us anything that you need question-wise. But again, we want to thank you for being on here with us. And we are going to, and the show will be back, same bat time, same bat channel next week. So have a good night, everybody. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.